You are on Max's Island, a podcast by Meet Max Power. On Max's Island podcast, you'll hear the lived experiences of people who choose to live life a little differently. It might be a story of when they took time out and dared to do something crazy. Perhaps they made a decision to leave it all behind and follow their dreams. Or maybe they just stopped listening to what other people thought and did what was right for them. This experience becomes a story that is part of them and one that you need to hear. So, now that you're on Max's Island, listen to the wisdom in these stories and you too will be inspired to do what you have always wanted to do. No one's an island, but sometimes it's good to pretend. Today's guest is a really hard man to catch. I caught up with Ryan at a disability expert, so that explains some of the background noise. Today on Max's Island, I'm joined by one of Max's Island's favourites, Ryan Honshooten. Who, me? Yeah, right. That's you. (laughs) Uh, Ryan's a returning guest. We've heard some incredible stories uh, of Ryan in his, mainly in his sailing career, which, um, you know, has gone for many, many years. But today I've... uh, I'm really pleased to have Ryan with us, so welcome Ryan, great to see you again. Thanks Tony, it's a um, pleasure to be welcome back to the island, um, and I didn't have to work as hard this time to get across here, you flew me across rather than make me sail. I did, I yeah, did, yeah, yeah definitely so. mate, no, spe- no expense spared. No, no, not this time. Now, today Ryan, because I've known that you've been doing some really interesting things lately, I'm actually going to ask you about a story that you're able to tell us about a recent episode in your life where I'm pleased to say you got your baggy green cap to play cricket for Australia. That must have been an incredible achievement and perhaps you can tell listeners on Max's Island the journey that you took to become an Australian cricketer. Yeah, there's a part of me that still can't quite comprehend or believe that it's true, that, I've, that I made it, that I got there. It's been such a whirlwind, I guess, adventure and it's been so fast and so quick and, you know, it was sort of happened while I was still, I guess, doing a lot of sailing and things like that. So it sort of all started back in around 2016 when two boys that I've worked with throughout my time at Visibility slash Association for the Blind, they were, would have been like sort of maybe 16, 17 18 years of age around that sort of time. And um, well, I'd worked with them since they were three or four or five years old. And they approached me and put the pressure on me. And it, was, it wasn't even during work time. It, it was after, it was out of hours, like on holidays. And I don't know how, but one of them had my phone number and he rang me and he was over, I think it was Stefan rang me or Brad rang me and they, they were over one of each other's house. And of course it was put on speakerphone and and they were saying, you know, oh, what are you doing, old man? Said, yeah, oh. and, and that's an appropriate <clears throat> thing because how, yeah. how old were you at the time, do you reckon? Oh, I would have been about 
what am I now? <laughs> 48 now and 22. Yeah, so, okay. Yeah, 42, 43, you yeah. know, that sort of age, yeah. And I said, oh, you know, the usual, I'm doing a bit of gardening, catching up with friends and blah, blah, blah. And they said, oh, what are you doing tomorrow? And I said, oh, don't know yet, you know. And probably in my head I was thinking recovering from tonight, <laughs> you know, <laughs> being a Saturday or something. And um, they said, oh, we want you to come down and play cricket with us, blind cricket. And I was like, oh... You know, the, in the back of your head, you're like, oh, really, do I have to add another thing to my life? You know, you do you do think that straight up yeah. a little bit. You know, you think when you're so busy. And, and in your time around blind sport, had you ever had a go at cricket before? A little bit. Um, back when I was working with information radio in the early 90s, oh, wow. we had a blind cricket game where it was the radio station versus the blind Venetians team here in WA. Yes. So I didn't really have a full idea of the game. I know I had run a few blind cricket sessions through my school holiday program work at Visibility, so I knew a little bit about it. I knew Brad and Stefan were involved because they came out and helped run the sessions, which I still to this day think was pretty amazing that I brought them back as, you know, kids that I had in programs and I dragged them into the junior program and said, yeah, come and show these kids how to play blind cricket. So, look, they talked me into it. I don't know how they talked me into it. They twisted my arm and the next thing you know, I'm finding myself, I'm down at some godforsaken hour of the morning on a Sunday, (laughs) probably two sheets to the wind still from the night before, and at some nets where there was just myself, Brad and Stefan and Stefan's dad, Leo, and and they said, oh, come on, old man, this is how you play cricket. This is what we do. And so we had a few, you know, bits and pieces here and there and a few games, and or not games really, just some training and all that. And, and then I went, yeah, that was fun, boys. Yeah, thanks for that. I really appreciate it. And sort of walked away, didn't think much of it until the phone call came the following Saturday. So what time are you turning up to the Nets tomorrow, old uh. man? And so and it suddenly just started becoming a bit more regular and regular to the point when we were on Christmas break at work, we actually did some cricket in the afternoon on a Wednesday, Thursday. And I you know, never, I'm, I'm so stupid sometimes. I don't twig onto what's going on. You know? <laughs> I really am. Um, but they were, so, they were using some of the principles that you had used on them when they were growing yeah, up absolutely. and the other kids about getting in, you know, involvement. You know, I know you, you're a past master at um, getting kids involved in things by um, encouraging them, so to speak. And doing it so subtly. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and you're right. They had absolutely turned the tide on me and used the same to sucker me in. And then, look, it went from there to they joined me up with the Venetians blind cricket team and then what they didn't tell me was that there was a national competition being played in Geelong and I think about a week out of that they said so what are you doing over Australia Day sort of long weekend stuff and I said oh you know I don't know probably doing some radio or something you know barbecuing you know something like that oh we've got this competition in Geelong and we need you to come along oh all right how much is that gonna cost and anyway I ended up finding myself in Geelong playing um, in a mixed WA slash South Australian team can I just interrupt there, though, just for Max's Island listeners. So your involvement in sport, and we heard about it when you did your sailing and when you did the Sydney to Hobart, and the same thing sounds like it's happening here. You pretty much pay your own way. Yes. Yeah, and there, yeah. there, there's no free meal ticket here. So for you to participate in, in all of these sports, especially around national carnivals, it's all coming out of your own pocket. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Uh, and look, things have changed a little bit in the last couple of years because now we've got NDIS, so you can 
say some of your training or some of your camps and things like that, you can start to take some of that out of your NDIS. You can't do all of it, but you know, um, you've got to be a little creative sometimes. But you can, I can get some of that back now. Whereas before, absolutely, you know, everything came from your pocket. You you had to save for it, or you just ended up living poor for many years. Yeah. So, so that's yeah. So the fact that you know, a couple of weeks out from a national tournament, they ask you, you know, can you come and play with us? Yeah. And um, yeah, it's it's one thing to be honoured to go. Wow, that'd be great, and I'd, you know. Love to go. Love Thanks. To go. That's great. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and uh, here's a couple of grand to get there. Yeah, yeah that's right. Because <laughs> you're talking flights there, flights back. It was a week long competition, so you know there was accommodation, um, yeah. and we stayed at a university there, the Deakin University in Ponds in Geelong. But you know, and it was just a student accommodation, so it was nothing special. And I do remember. I mean, we've been there several times now, and there's no air conditioning in these units, and they're hot. Yeah, because it's like 40 <laughs> degrees plus in Geelong that time of the year and they're hot you know so anyway stayed there and you know we played I played with South Australia and um, I don't know we we ended up winning the series and so sort of, that sort of sent me on a way with a bit of a you know spring in the step and went back and started playing cricket with the Venetians full time um, every Sunday back in Perth had to sort of fit that in around sailing and and I mean even this year still did that around sailing you know we'd go play cricket in the morning and then jump in a uber and head off to the the Royal Perth Yacht Club and jump on a boat and go sailing for the afternoon you know what I mean and then get home at sort of seven o'clock that night after leaving home at eight so and so what does the Venetians cricket look like in WA you know is there you know multiple teams or is it just one group and they you know form two teams and play against each other or what's it like? We just recently celebrated our 50th year of existence. That's so incredible. they've been around for two yeah. more years than me. So, uh. <laughs> so that's um, how long they've been around for. Look, when Brad and Stefan got involved in the Venetians, they were pretty much looking bad. They were, they were looking pretty desperate for players. A lot of players had moved away. There was, from what I understand, and I don't know fully but there was a little bit of politics as there is in a lot of sporting clubs a lot, clubs, of, sporting a lot, clubs, of, a lot yeah. of clubs it doesn't have to be sports you know it yeah. can be even radio stations have politics you know and there was a lot of that going along there was a lot of old guard new guard and all that sort of stuff and look to their credit and really you should be you, I should invite Stefan and Brad to Max's Island one day to their credit these two young lads worked their bloody asses off to get more blind and vision impaired people involved in that cricket club and they turned it around they they absolutely turned that cricket club around to the point where a couple of years later i mean i missed one because i was overseas sailing sailing around the world on the square rigger but the next time i went back which would have been 2020 and what was so exciting about 2020 was the first time that wa had fielded a full side and full WA side so we weren't made up of any other states or anything like that in 32 years. Gee whiz so that goes to show that the young boys had galvanized the team and brought others in which was great yeah even yeah. even some old blokes. Oh yeah even some old blokes yeah yeah you know and and they got us in and they got us you know um, and they got us there and it was a, a pretty momentous moment you know and young Brad was captain and I mean and even that you know um, even now he's vice captain and to think Brad's, what, 24, 25. Yeah. And I've known Brad since he was four. And he's now my captain here in West Australia, but he's my vice captain nationally. And he's telling me what to do. That's great. And he's commanding me. He's ordering me. Now, that is just something you can't 
I can't put that to words. I can't explain it. The, the feeling I get when he comes up to me and says something or does something, you know, tells me, you know, I want you to do this today or I'm proud of what you did yesterday or you played really well today, mate, or, you know, your bowling today was pretty shit. but you know he's being honest and you know he's doing what a captain should do yeah and that's the influence that you've had in his life as well because you're pretty much you know I've seen you for many many years with these young kids as as you've tutored them and mentored them and you know the the thing that I've noticed most of all is you don't pull punches you know you give them the support when they need the support but you also tell it as it is so um, sometimes if they need to kick up the bum you give it to them you know what I mean you you know not physically but mentally you've got to give these a push every now and then I mean my parents did that to me they pushed me yeah my family pushed me Uh, my boxing coach pushed me you know a lot of people pushed me and I'm so grateful that they did push me because if they hadn't I wouldn't be here today. Yeah, it wouldn't definitely. be me. So Brad and Stefan, and I've got to say they're they're pretty much the stars of the team. Um, of the oh, uh, well, I mean of the West Australian team, yes, yes. definitely. Um, then sort of 2021, just before COVID, Stefan packed his bags and headed off to Sydney because he was studying law, and he had an opportunity to do a bit of work experience and paid work in a law firm over there. Mind you, it was only in his first year of uni, you know. And same thing, I mean, I've known Stefan, you know, since he was about Brad's age, four, you know. So, yep. And Steph's a little bit younger than Brad. He's probably, I think he's about two, three years younger. So anyway, so he left the WA team. And everyone wished him all the best, had a big send-off and all that sort of stuff. And then it was sort of 2020 when we did play there... I think it was 2020. I, look, my memory fails me these days. <laughs> That's tell you. all right, mate. But one of them, I did get one of the years. It might have actually been 2018. I did get um, B1 of the series, which meant they, you know, I was the best B1 of the series. I also got a man of the match where I hit 68 not out against New South Wales, which is my highest batting score ever. Fantastic. So far, I've not gone anywhere near it since. <laughs> um, and I don't know how and I don't know why. I get very nervous when I go out to bat, really nervous, and I need to overcome that, which is strange. For someone like me, you know, yeah, I could go talk to so an arena-sized, yeah. stadium-sized people, you know, I wouldn't. that wouldn't phase me. But get me out in the middle of a cricket pitch with a bat and my knees are shaking, <laughs> my ankles are shaking, my, my stomach's twisting, and it's just a mess. But I'll overcome that. So, Ryan, just before you go on, you mentioned, obviously, the category B1. How does that work in blind cricket? So, B1 is someone like myself who's totally blind or has very little sight, maybe light perception, and then the next category up is B2 and then B3. And so, they're your three categories in the cricket, and that's based on your sight, how much vision you've got. And do you need to have a particular mixture of of each one of those categories in the team? Yeah, now this is where, if the boys are listening, they're going to crucify me because I still don't know a lot of this stuff. (laughs) Um, But I believe a team can have, like, say, five B1s, B2s, B3s, but then on a pitch, you have to have four B1s on a pitch at any one time in the team. And then the other makeup has to be um, so many B2s and so many B3s. So you can't just flood your team, say, with four four B1s and, you know, like eight or nine or whatever, seven B3s. Yes, You've got to have a makeup. The there must be like, I think it's three B3s and maybe four B2s or something like that. There, there's a definite, and there's it, a pattern. And is the game played any different? Or like the bowling to a B1 is different to a, a B3? No. So the bowling stays the same no matter what um, category you are, but the bowling is different in blind cricket in that you bowl underarm. Yep. 
Now, the reason you do that is so that the ball hits the pitch. The ball has to hit the pitch at least halfway down before the halfway line, and then it gives the batter time to, I guess, identify where it is, hear it, and then, you know, try and hit it. Try and hit it, um, yeah. But you've also got to call when you're bowling. You've got to say, batter ready. And you've got to wait for the batman to go over the way in the distance. Yes. And then as you bowl the ball, play. Okay. And then as soon as that word plays admitted from the bowler's mouth, everyone on the field has to go quiet. Right. And if you don't, if you stay, keep talking or you start revving the batsman up or something, I shouldn't say batsman either these days, it's, it's batter. Yeah. Um, bat person or batter. No, batter. Um, no, batter. batter. Good, yeah, yep. batter. Yeah. So if you start saying something like that and the batter can actually call and say, hey, that's illegal, that's, that's a no ball. Right. Or the umpire will say no ball. Yep. Um, and then the batter gets a free hit. So there's that. And the only other real rule change is for someone like myself, like a B1, we get a runner. So when we hit the ball, it's up to our runner to work out whether they're going to run or not. And they'll obviously communicate with the batter at the other end. Now, the reason for that, the main reason for that is if, look, a B1 can run. I can run. There's no problems. I might be a bit... Yeah, your knees aren't yeah, so good, yeah, but yeah, yeah. that's right. Um, and, and the old oxygen tank, you know, needs a lot of filling. But the reason mainly being is there's that many bodies flying around on that pitch all over the place. As you know, in a real cricket game, you know, fielders are running from one side to another. Yeah. You've got bowlers running. You've got wicket keepers running. You've got stuff going everywhere. And it's just safer for a B2 or B3 to be a runner for a B2, a B1, sorry. Yep. Yeah. And so you just stand there at your crease and you know but all other rules apply so if your runner doesn't get back in time and you get bold well you get bold yeah you're that's out. just too bad that's you're it. out yeah you know um that's just the way it works so you've been to these national titles obviously over the years you've got better Stefan and brad have obviously got better as well so tell us about what happened in queensland earlier this year To play any sport at the highest level is a massive achievement. In the next episode, we'll hear from Ryan as he reflects on his time playing for Australia and most importantly, getting his baggy green cap.
Every sense was engaged, his mind was as clear as the sky. Completely alone, no emails or phone and nothing. 